Today, we're going to begin a series that is entitled uh, The Songs of the Saints, and we're going to be doing some reflection on the Psalms. And so this will be uh, what we'll do over the next eight weeks or so as we then prepare for Advent and the Christmas season. But uh, here we are today, and as you heard the scripture reading, Psalm 27, that's uh, going to be our text today, or portions of that psalm will be our text today. Uh, But let's talk for a moment about songs. Songs are the musical expression of a person's or a people's hopes, dreams, loves, longings, fears, failures, beliefs, doubts, joys, griefs, and on and on it goes. We've heard all of those uh, things um, expressed in songs. Uh, Songs can impact us powerfully in a personal way, uh, stirring uh, our emotions uh, to to heights of joy sometimes, sometimes even to uh, depths of sadness. Uh, songs can also simply make us feel good. There are songs that you could almost just call uh, feel-good songs. They um, remind us of a, a pleasant time or place perhaps in our life. They, they sort of have the power to transport us uh, back into those moments. Uh, Songs can leave their marks or their mark on the lives of individuals as well as whole cultures. Uh, I bet that many of you would be able to name a song or two that, that you would say has even just been part of your life's journey. You, you heard it at a certain point, it really touched you and it just became a favorite song and it, it's kind of uh, marked your life. If people uh, were to ask uh, you know, a question maybe of a mutual friend about, hey, do you know what song they like? And they might be able to say, oh yeah, this, this is their uh, this is, or the, these are their favorite songs. And so songs, songs are like that. I think of how much American culture today has been marked. Uh, well, there's different aspects of American culture, even as I say that. Um, but you know, much of American culture has been marked by the music of the, the fifties and the sixties. Uh, otherwise known as the oldies. Of course, there's a whole section of the country that has been more marked by uh, country music. But when I think of the, the 50s and the 60s, you think of you know, Elvis Presley, you think of uh, the Beatles, you think maybe of Diana Ross or the Beach Boys or Smokey Robinson or you know, some of these different names that uh, if you're driving along today and you turn on the radio, there's a good chance that you're going to hear those songs being played still today. Uh, it's amazing. Then there is the, um, the classic rock. Um, I actually love it when I'm, I'm walking through a market or something and, and one of those, those songs, those songs from the past will come on and I just think, oh, I'd love this song or, you know, just this, this wave of a nostalgia will sort of sweep 
over us. So as enjoyable as all of that can be and is for many of us, there are things that none of those songs, no matter how good they uh, were or are, no matter how much they might have emotionally touched us, uh, there are certain things that they can never do for us. They can never reach into the depths uh, of our hearts and bring true love, hope, wisdom, peace, uh, transforming power. You see, the, the, those songs, they just, they don't have the ability to do that. But the songs that we are going to be discussing, the songs of the saints, they have that power. And when I say the songs of the saints, I'm talking, Talk, talking specifically about the Psalms, the, the, the Psalms in the Bible, the book of Psalms. Now, the, wor the word Psalm means songs. And so we're going to be looking at the, the book of Psalms. There are other songs of the saints as well. There are the great hymns of the church. There are the more modern uh, choruses and worship songs. And all of those things can have a very powerful impact, even a life transforming impact on our lives, uh, as much as they are faithful to scripture and communicating biblical content. Uh, but the Psalms, even above that, have the uniqueness of um, being scripture. So the Psalms are songs that are unique in history. So the book of Psalms was the, uh, the, the worship uh, hymnal <laughs> book, if you will, for the nation of Israel. But the unique thing about this book of songs is that they are songs of the people of God born out of every experience known to humanity, expressed through prophets, priests, princes, who wrote their experiences as they were, here's the key, moved by the Holy Spirit. This is the Psalm's uniqueness, human experience channeled through the Spirit of God. So you see, that's, that's why these songs stand out uh, from all other songs. You know, sometimes I think about how uh, we hear songs today that are still popular, uh, even though they might be 50, close to 60 years old, uh, they're popular not just among the generation that originally heard them, but they're, they're popular among even the younger generation today. I think of how many young people today are Beatles fans. And, you know, the Beatles are like, their, could be their great-grandparents. Um, and so... We, you know, certain songs, we, they might, we might consider them classic songs because they have this longevity. They just, they're from generation to generation, they, they are just kind of their present. Of course, the classical music would fall into that category. But think about the Psalms. The Psalms are amazing. Just think Psalm 20, uh, 23, for example. The Lord is my shepherd. That, that song is 3,000 years old. And it's still... Very, very popular today among many people. It's, it's part of the Bible. The Bible's the number one best-selling book, and the Psalms are right there in it. Um, let, me, let me quote to you a quote uh, regarding the Psalms. The Psalms are songs that are, excuse me, I 
said that already. Here's, here's the quote. The Psalms are so very complex in the same way that life is complex. We can relate with the psalmist as he contemplates the path of wisdom and the path of folly. We sympathize with him when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or when he prays, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Or avenge me because of my enemies. The psalmist had high highs and low lows. Great moments of faith and deep pits of despair and doubt. It's been said that whereas scripture speaks to us, the Psalms in particular speak for us. So this is, the, the psalmist would communicate the, experience of, uh, the experiences of people um, in these Psalms. And so uh, we find in them delight and fear, anger, joy, grief, depression, gladness, loneliness, love, loss. But while the Psalms allow us to express our raw emotion, and you find that quite frequently in the Psalms, this raw emotion being expressed, they simultaneously seek to shape them into righteous ones. So even though there's this rawness um, of emotion, yet all the way through the Psalms, there's this, this thing where the Spirit is, is seeking to bring these emotions into conformity to what God would have. And so I think the Psalms is the perfect place uh, to pause and to be refreshed for us during this time uh, where things are still perplexing, where things are still uncertain, where we still don't know exactly um, what's ahead. Um, of course, in, in our own lives, personally, we could say that, but I'm, I'm speaking more you know, generally with the state of the world right now. We are in one of those unusual and somewhat extraordinary times where it's almost from day to day. We don't really know what the, what the next day will bring regarding COVID and regarding the uh, fallout of that, the economic fallout and um, the political issues and elections coming up and so forth. So I want to look at these Psalms in, um, in the context of, of where we're living at right now. And so I've just selected psalms. We're not going in any particular order through them. I've just selected a, a handful that I think are going to speak to us in the moment. That, that is the uh, key thing for me. So here we are with um, uh, Psalm 27. But one final thing before I jump into Psalm 27. Uh, a song, of course, one thing about a song is it it increases our ability to remember. Isn't it amazing how we can remember songs from so long ago? You know, I read lots of books and, you know, I'll read a book and you ask me, you know, what, what it said. And I, I will struggle a lot of times to, to even, you know, especially verbatim to uh, spit a uh, paragraph out, sometimes maybe even a sentence. But with a song, 
my goodness, I can go back uh, 50 years plus in, and I can remember the lyrics to a song. The tune, the minute I hear the tune, I re- the lyrics just start going. And that is what these are. And many of these psalms have been, in our contemporary time, have been put to music. So I've asked our worship team uh, to, to, during this time, uh, include a couple of psalms each week in the set so that we can get these psalms uh, coming through the song so that we can get them lodged in our hearts and minds. So, so Psalm 27, it's a Psalm of David, we read. Now, David is the writer of the majority of the Psalms. He wrote the majority of them, but he didn't write all of them. There were other writers, and as most uh, Bibles will tell you um, who the, the Psalm was authored by. So majority David, uh, Asaph, um, Heman, um, Kohath, you know, other names will, will be mentioned as well. And one psalm, Psalm 90, is written by Moses, interestingly enough. And we're going to look at Psalm 90. It's a, it's a great, great psalm. Um, so, so David's the author generally. He's the author of this psalm. And here in this psalm, um, a psalm about the certainty of deliverance from his enemies, David expresses three things that I want us to focus on today. He expresses, number one, his confidence, what his confidence is in, or rather, who his confidence is in. Secondly, he expresses his own singular focus. And then thirdly, he expresses his faith and the ensuing posture that proceeds from his faith. So, Let's look, first of all, in verses one through three, look at what David says here. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he goes on and he says, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart, shall not fear, though war rises against me, in this I will be confident. In this I will be confident. So this is the confidence of David. What is it? His confidence is in, first of all, the Lord himself. And so that's what he says. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, when David's speaking of the Lord, he's speaking of Yahweh. He's speaking of the God of Israel. And we today understand that the God of Israel is also none other than Jesus Christ. So when we talk about our confidence being in the Lord, we want to think in those terms. We think in terms of the Lord. For David, the Lord is the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the maker of heaven and earth and the sky and the sea and and everything that inhabits them. And, of course, that's exactly who he is. But for us, we have an even further revelation. Uh, The Lord is the one who walked among us. The Lord is the one who rebuked the wind and the waves. The Lord is the one who walked on the water. The Lord is the one who provided 
uh, for the, the hungry multitudes with the, just the loaves and the fish. He, he multiplied them and fed uh, the people. The Lord is the one who uh, takes care of disease and, and sickness and these things. Uh, so when we say the Lord, we're talking about the creator. We're talking about the one who sustains everything, but we're also talking about the one who came and lived among us and uh, healed the lepers, uh, gave sight to the blind, uh, gave speech to those who couldn't speak, uh, hearing to those who couldn't hear, to the one who actually even raised the dead. So David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is the strength of my life. And then he says at the end of verse three, in this I will be confident. His confidence is in the Lord. And this is something that is so vitally important for us that we have confidence in the Lord. And we can have confidence in the Lord. You know, what we have to be careful not to do is we have to be careful not to read the Bible and to read a psalm like this and to think about David and say, well, that was great for David, but what about me today? No, we have to read this and we have to say, that was great for David and that is great for me today because what was true for David is true for me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And we cannot forget that. And everything around us, you know, we live, we live in a world that is just fully secularized, right? It, we live in a world where, man, you, you gotta, in some ways, in, in society, you gotta search to find God. People are trying to keep him as much out of the picture as possible. Now, now, David lived amongst a people who were the people of God. And so for him, but, but even among some of the people of God, there were those who were rebellious. And, and so he talks here about his enemies. Sometimes those could be foreigners, but a lot of times they were people from right within the nation uh, who were opposing and resisting God and resisting him as well. But, but my point is this. We live in an environment that is actually... Um, it is actually set up to keep us from thinking about God, keep us from trusting God, keep us from believing in God. And like I said, from, from all of the, the things that go on around us to the input that we get from almost every place, it's the same message, you know, don't, don't trust in God. Don't believe God. God can't help you. There is no God. Oh, that's superstition. Oh, you can't, you can't depend on any of that. So we have to, like David, we have to intentionally say, no, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. In this, I will be confident. Despite all the, the noise and all the voices that would try to tell me otherwise. No, I'm going to be confident in this very thing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my strength. 
And so we can have that same confidence. We should, we must have that same confidence. Because as we said, with the Psalms, we're talking about um, God's presence and help in the context of all of the troubles and the difficulties of life. And so it's, it's in these times and places that we need to have that kind of confidence, and we can. Now, David had this unwavering confidence. Doesn't mean that he didn't have his moments where he wondered what was going on, but he had this unwavering confidence, and this was, in a sense, related to uh, the second point, because the second point is regarding David's singular focus. So look at verse four and also at verse eight. Verse four, he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So David's confidence is really, in many ways, it's the result of his singular focus. David was singular focused. He said, one thing have I desired. And again, in a world that's as crazy as our world is and in a world that's as busy as our world is, um, to have that singular focus is a challenge. We have to intentionally focus on the Lord. But it comes back to desire. One thing have I desired. That's, that's where David is. In his deepest heart of hearts, more than anything else, he wants the Lord. He wants to know the Lord. And as he expresses here, what he's really talking about is he wants to sense the presence of God in his life. So he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So David lived at a time, of course, the temple wasn't built. David would be the one who would supply uh, the materials and his son Solomon would build it. But there was the, the tabernacle that was the um, place of God's dwelling prior to the, the temple. But I think here too, David's even looking beyond that. He's just, he's thinking about the Lord's temple literally in heaven. And he's saying, I want to experience God's presence. I want to experience God's presence here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And for us, knowing God's presence, experiencing God's presence, this is, this is what the Christian life is um, it's about, it's, it's living in the presence of God. And the people of God, historically, that, that has been the thing. You know, we, we thank God for the blessings. We thank God for all the benefits. We thank him for forgiveness of sins. And we thank him for eternal life. And we thank him for uh, the knowledge that we gain of him, uh, you know, through his word. We thank him for all these things. But but the, the thing beyond all of that that we want is to know him experientially and to sense his presence in our life. And David, that's his longing as well. But listen to what he says. This is what he does. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, 
that will I seek. That will I seek. So David understands that the, the presence of the Lord is the, is the desirable thing, but he also understands that it's something that we must seek. We, we, we must pursue that presence of the Lord. It's not just simply that, oh, I really would love to experience the presence of the Lord. Um, we, we, we need to seek the Lord as well. And the Lord told us that. Look in, in verse 8. Here's, here's the, the dialogue between David and the Lord. Um, verse 7, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Listen to this. When you said, seek my face, so this is God speaking to David, you said, seek my face, and then David's response, your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So we were talking about the presence of God. And it's clear that God wants us to experience his presence. You know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in working for the Lord. And it's wonderful to work for the Lord. Don't get me wrong. It is, it is a wonderful thing to do, to be part of uh, the work that God's doing in the world, to be used by him, to be an instrument. All of that is so fantastic. It's so wonderful. But sometimes we can... Uh, exchange working for the Lord with the, the presence of the Lord, being with the Lord. And I have to remind myself of this a lot, that the Lord didn't redeem me first and foremost to be a worker. He allows me to work for him. He calls me into his service and so forth. But the, the first objective in in our redemption is fellowship. God saved us so that he might have that relationship with us. He saved us so we might uh, mutually know one another, that we might know him, that we might know his presence. And so, but like I said, that involves seeking him. We have to take the time to seek the Lord. We have to take time out of our busy schedule. Uh, we have to take time out of sometimes things that we might prefer to do at the moment. I might want to run off and go have some fun doing something. And that's fine to do that. Uh, but there's a time when I need to say, you know what? That's not as important. Right now, I need to seek the Lord. Because the Lord said, seek my face. And David's response, Lord, your face I will seek. And that is how that one desire, that desire for God's presence, that is how that's going to be realized. It's going to be realized as we seek the Lord, as we just spend time with him, as we take the opportunities that come along, uh, say the time even like we have today here, not just with the teaching, but just say during the time of worship that we say, I'm going to clear my mind and I am going to focus on the Lord. Lord, I'm going to seek you right now. And we do that. And, and many times when we do that, we have a sense of God's presence. I've had times where I have just sensed the, the very presence of, of Jesus in the room as we've just taken the time 
to seek him. And so you might do it in this environment, but you might do it on your own as well. Or maybe just with a small group of people, but, but on your own as we take the time to just get away and say, Lord, I, I just want to seek you. It's there that we will experience that presence. But remember, it comes from the singular focus. We all live busy lives. We all have lots of things that are on our plate. We all have several commitments and we, we have so many things. And David did too. He had all of those kinds of things, but he said, above all of that, one thing have I desired. And so that was his singular focus. And then thirdly, we come to David expressing his faith. Now, remember, as I said in the beginning, the psalm, uh, the context of the psalm is David's, his confidence that the Lord is with him that the Lord is not going to let his enemies overcome him. David was uh, a person who was, uh, he lived much of his life under attack from the enemy. He was relentlessly pursued by Saul and, and Saul's army. Uh, Saul wanted to destroy David because Saul was jealous of David and he could see the writing on the wall. He knew that David would be the king someday and he didn't want that to happen. And so a, a good period of David's life, I don't know, 10 years or so, David was like a fugitive. He was on the run. And it just, as you read through the stories of uh, 1 Samuel especially, you will see that uh, it's just one battle after another for David in so many ways. He has the great victory over Goliath. That's where it all starts. And you think, wow, what an amazing start. And it, it's just got to be all uphill from here. I mean, David takes down the, the greatest foe of Israel. And he's just, he's, he's a young, you know, probably young teenager at the time. And everybody's amazed. And you think, wow, here he goes on his uh, career. And yet, actually, that was the high point and then it all sort of went downhill from there because Saul became jealous of him and sought to destroy him. So many of the Psalms that David writes are about this time in his life where he was being pursued, where the enemy was after him. And this happened not just prior to his becoming the king, but this happened later in life too uh, with David. So there, there were those times with David where he felt like, I don't know if I'm going to survive. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this difficult season. And he, he would pin that in so many of the different Psalms. And, and that's a reminder to us that God's people, we go through difficulties. We go through these seasons of affliction and suffering. And we're tempted at times to question, are we going to make it? Is, is God faithful? You know, I heard a horrible uh, thing today. Actually, um, I was listening to two pastors have a conversation. It was a, a recorded conversation. And one of them said that, that in the last, I think it was three to six months, I don't remember the time frame, but he said that he knew of three. He personally knew of three pastors who had committed suicide. And man, I just thought, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help. And I, I hear that's, that's extreme, obviously. But, you know, we're hearing a lot today 
Um, if you read in you know Christian media, you kind of keep up on what's going on in the evangelical world. Uh, one of the current conversations, a big conversation, is the discouragement of people who are in Christian leadership right now, going through these difficult times, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. And you don't, you don't have to be a pastor or a Christian leader. You can be there yourself just because you're looking at your job maybe that um, maybe you've lost it. You don't see any prospect for anything in the future or maybe there's a possibility that you might lose it or maybe you had planned on something and everything went sideways and now all of those plans are just kind of washed down the the drain and you're wondering where do we go from here well this is where faith comes into the picture and David expresses the faith that he had in the 13th verse of this 27th Psalm. And listen to what he said. And I want to say that this 13th verse has been a lifesaver for me. As a matter of fact, I was looking in, um, I was, I picked up one of my older Bibles uh, to look at this Psalm in it just because it was, it was close at hand and um, the font is a little better for my eyesight. So I picked it up And right next to verse 13, it said this. It said, promise from the Lord, 2003. It's 2020. So this is 17 years ago. Now, I can't remember writing that or why I wrote it at the time, but I obviously wrote it because I was going through a challenging moment. And so this, is, this was the promise that I latched onto. What David said here, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So from 2003, and I know I probably could find another Bible where I had a reference to it before that, and I have references to it after that. I have come back to this passage so many times because it is such a wonderful promise, but it's a reminder of the need for faith because we are tempted to lose heart. We're tempted to give up. That's the idea. I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towel. Uh, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, he said to them, he said, do not become weary while doing good. And when you're doing good, when you're trying to do the right thing, when you're seeking to live for the Lord and everything seems to be going in the wrong direction, this can become discouraging to say the least. And so we can come to that place where we feel like I'm, I'm, I'm about to give up. But what did David do? He said, I believed. I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, what David was saying is, I I believed the promises of God. I stood on the promises of God despite what I saw in front of me or despite what was going on around me. And every one of us have to do that at times in our lives. And I think for every single person watching and listening today, I think that 
everyone has to do this right now because this, this is our, all of our experiences similar. We all are in the similar time of confusion and perplexity and uncertainty. And all of us are in various ways going to be tempted, going to be tempted toward discouragement and tempted toward despair, giving up, losing heart. How do we survive it? I believed in the goodness of the Lord. I believed in the goodness of the Lord. I believed in the promises of God. And here's the thing that I, I want us to, to take away here today. Uh, David says, I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to be overcome or destroyed by those things that are against me. And, and what we need to do today is we need to believe the goodness of the Lord. We need to go back to the promises that God has made and say, no, I believe this rather than this. This is shouting at me. This is in my face. This is telling me this is the new reality. This is telling me this is the way it's going to be. And it's overwhelming me and it's causing me to be frightened and it's causing me to be depressed. And how do I do it? What do I do? It's, it's so powerful. It's going to overpower power me. Um, David said, no, I believed. I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so that is how... That is how we survive these times, whether they're personal uh, things or whether it's something that all of us are going through, whatever the case might be, this is how we do it. We fall back on the promise of God and then we have this final word in verse 14. So I, I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So what do I do now? David says, Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You know, our temptation is often going to be to not do that. In some cases, a temptation will be to just give up on the Lord. There are some people that have just said, you know what? I trusted God and he didn't come through. I'm done. I'm giving up. I'm not going back to church. I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. You know, people are doing that. That is not the thing to do. That is the absolute wrong thing to do. Or in other cases, people aren't saying, I'm going to abandon the Lord, but they're saying, well, obviously God's not coming through for me. So I got to take, I got to take everything into my own hands. I got to, I got to fix this. I got to sort this out. I got to make this work. And that's not the way to go either, because uh, in, in doing that, we, we generally only make things worse. We only mess things up. And so we don't want to do that. What do we do? We wait on the Lord. And notice he says at the, the very final um, part of verse 14, he says, wait on the Lord. And then at the end, he says, wait, I say on the Lord. It's like I said it once. Let me say it again. Wait on the Lord. But what does he say? What's in the middle? Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. He will strengthen your heart. You know, sometimes we are stubborn. Sometimes we're prideful. I don't know. There are many different things that can be under the surface that keep us from just coming and falling down before God and saying, God, please help me. 
God, I need you. God, I cannot do this myself. Do you know, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Don't let pride, don't let I, I've got to do this myself mentality. Don't, don't let that rob you. No, just come to the Lord and let him strengthen your heart. Wait on him. And that is the posture that we then take. Our, our faith results in this posture of waiting on the Lord. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm believing the Lord. I was talking to some friends today and of course, as you know, the pastor of this church and the church here has many different facets to it. We have uh, properties and we have ministries and literally in uh, places all around the world. And in a time like this, that is very, very challenging, very, very difficult. And so I was talking to a couple of friends today and they, were, they weren't so much asking me, what are you going to do? Because they understand that it's not what am I going to do that matters. It's what's the Lord going to do. But as we were talking amongst each other, it was just, it was just a continual uh, falling back on the fact that, you know what, we're just waiting on the Lord. We're, de we're depending on him. That there's, there's nothing we can do. I, I don't have any power, but God has power. And my life is God's and the work of the ministry is God's and you are God's and your family belongs to God and all of these things and you don't know what to do. Well, I, I think of that, that story where, um, um, you know, the particular king, I can't remember if it was who, exactly who it was right now. I don't think it was Hezekiah, but anyway, one, one of the kings, I'm forgetting the name of the one that it actually was, I think. But um, there's this point where the enemy is, is coming in like a flood against them. And this was their cry, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's what we're talking about here. Waiting on the Lord. I don't know what to do about a lot of things. I don't have the strength to do anything about a lot of things, but the Lord does. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to remember, Lord, I belong to you. I'm your son. I'm your servant. You redeemed me. You died and rose again to save me. You called me to be your child. You called me to be your servant. And so, Lord, I'm looking to you. And that's what David said that's what he exhorted us to do. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. And as we wait on him, he strengthens us. And, and practically speaking, waiting on him, it means waiting like we're, we're pausing. We're just waiting. We're looking with expectation. God's going to do something. And we don't have a time frame. We're not saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait till... I'm going to wait till this date and then it's too late. I'm, I'm, then I'm going, to take, uh, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. We don't want to do that. No, we just keep waiting. We're waiting on the Lord. And again, we're, we're seeking him, like David said. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after. I'm seeking the Lord. And you know, as we're seeking the Lord, we might find that 
we thought that it was this way, but God, as we seek him, he say, no, actually, I want to do this. And I'm going to do it this way. And we might get a whole redirection from the Lord. We, we had this thing going and it was amazing and it was going to go this direction. And then COVID came and it's all blown to bits. And so we're thinking, we got to get back on track. We got to get that thing going. And, but then we stop and we wait on the Lord and we start seeking him. And the Lord's like, no, that's, I wasn't going in that direction anyway. You were, you were out in front of me. No, here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going. And the Lord will uh, bring us in a, in a fresh new direction. So wait on the Lord. And I can't finish today without referring to the great, great passage on this very topic of waiting on the Lord. And by, and by the way, that's the title of this song, this song of the saints that we're looking at today. Uh, I've entitled it, Wait on the Lord. And the great passages from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to read that and then I'm going to pray. The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Here it is. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So Lord, we thank you that we have your promises. And Lord, we thank you that we have this song to remind us of those promises, Lord, that you are the Lord, the great and awesome God, that you are the strength of our life, that you are our light and our salvation. And Lord, all of those things that you've spoken to us in your word as promises, all those things that you've ministered to our hearts, Lord, today, we want to, we want to believe those things. Because Lord, just like the psalmist, unless we believe those things, we will lose heart. So Lord, help us to believe, help us to trust, strengthen our faith that we might have just complete confidence in you as David did. And we thank you that we can. And we thank you that you use David just to, to write this out, to bless himself and the people around him. But all of these successive generations, all these centuries later, Lord, this word is true today for us. And so we pray that you would help us to apply it. Help us, Lord, to seek you. May we know your presence in fresh new ways in our lives. And help us, Lord, to be encouraged, cheer us up, strengthen our hearts, and help us to wait on you to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's our prayer. And Lord, I pray for anyone that's joined us today, uh, anyone that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, anyone that doesn't know that there is a living God that they can actually put their, their hope in, that they don't have to uh, be out there on their own trying to survive or figure it out. 
but Lord, you are the Savior. We pray that they would open their hearts to receive your salvation. Lord, that they would know that you're a God who forgives sin and that through the blood of Jesus, you'll wash them and cleanse them. And Lord, as they call out to you, you will deliver them and bring them into that covenant with you. So do that, I pray. And Lord, for all of us, as we go into this week ahead, may we go in confident in the Lord with this one desire waiting upon you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.